Welcome to Business Can Be Better. This is the podcast that helps businesses become even better businesses. I'm one of the co-hosts, Lane Anderson. I own a marketing company called London Road Media. And I'm Kelly Ray Tamaki, founder and owner of TMH Business Coaching and Consulting. What's new with you this week? I lost the key to my office this week. That was fun. <laughs> or last week. That. <laughs> that was so dumb. So I I just put off things that I should do because it's not a fun thing. And so it, and it's it's a dumb thing. Like I could just go get more keys cut from my office. They cost two dollars and forty nine cents. But I don't. I have one key. And on the way to walking to work, I lost said key somewhere along the way. So I got to work with no way to get into my office and a meeting starting in minutes and employees showing up. So we worked out of somewhere else for the day and I had my meeting in a coffee shop and I paid a locksmith to come and cut those keys on location for a lot more than it would have cost for me to walk down the street to the locksmith and get them cut beforehand. So now everyone in the office has their own key. So we've avoided that from being a repeat problem. I may be like just a bit paranoid because I've been binge watching Scandal, but I feel like maybe you should change your locks because <laughs> maybe there's like this person following you that Could stole be. your key actually. And hmm. now they're like going to go in at night and do something nefarious. Devious. That was the word I was looking for. <laughs> so that's your that's new. Yeah, that's all that's new. It is I, hilarious. That seemed like the most exciting thing. It was just a weird week. Lots of just stupid stuff happened last week. So I'm twisting things around and trying to have a positive start to this week. Because it was just a bad run last week. It was a full moon and just everything was falling apart. For lots of, like, a couple of different friends were in crazy bad accidents. Like, everything just oh, fell I'm apart. i sorry to so hear that. Was, this week will be good then. It will be. Yeah. Good. Well, it's a good start. What's new with me? <laughs> yes. Here, I'll make your day, Lane. Um, so there's this book called Profit First. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lane likes it and I don't. Well, I didn't. So years and years ago, one of my clients uh, read the book and basically used the book to tell me that my premise for financial forecasting was wrong. Right. Which is why I didn't like it in the first place. Right. So, <laughs> so I begrudgingly read the book with the lens of, I hate this book, but I didn't read the introduction. Okay. And so put it back on my shelf that bottom shelf over there um, with the books I don't like uh, okay. for years. And what? then there's uh, crushing it's down there though. I never finished that. Oh to disappoint you. Um, so anyways, uh, it came up last week that well on Facebook, which I quickly took to the phone <laughs> lane, you little mischievous. You, I called lane to talk about it, but I said, you know what lane, because I respect you and love you so much. I'm going to reread this terrible bu- book that I don't like. And uh, I read the introduction, which I never do. And I realized something. I wrote a book a long time ago and I never wrote an introduction Hmm. because I felt like the beginning should be the beginning. (laughs) And I made it like chapter one was it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I guess that's why with that thinking, that's why I always skip the intro because I feel like the intro is useless and I just want to get into this stuff. So because I didn't read the intro to profit first, I didn't have the right frame of mind reading it. I was thinking that it was working against me, but Lane had a great point about how this could really save a lot of businesses, especially in the early stages, but save a lot of businesses from going bankrupt. And within the first few pages, I was sending Lane a text, "Uh uh-oh, you were right, I was wrong, I have to give this book a really good second chance, so... 
That's all right. That yeah, that's that's pretty much what's new. You just needed that context of what they were trying to introduce you to, not to change how everyone does their bookkeeping or yeah. plans their business, but here's the context of where it's useful. Yeah, really. Which is I, what they're trying to do is a lot of business owners are not good at checking their P and Ls and their books, and so this is the solution to not trying to break that habit. Allow them to continue to not change to not See, check their P and Ls. See, that's what kills me because I'm like, they gotta look at those. Set up your actual cash flow. Set up your bank to reflect the different um, areas that you have money and where it needs to belong that it would be represented on P&L. So it allows you to use um, bank account balance accounting methods because uh, a lot of business owners aren't very good at checking their books. So yeah, I understand that people who are really good at processes and doing things the right way don't want to do the dummy down version, I guess. <laughs> but a lot of people I think would benefit from it. But yeah, I agree they would benefit from it, especially if they're not doing it my way with the the P&Ls and the cash flow statements and the balance sheet and the budget every month. Mm-hmm. Please read that book. Do, do something at least. Yeah. And yeah, and I also adored his humility. Right. I adored I adored him from the, the intro. And before when I read it, I was like, this guy's an idiot. And then I read <laughs> the intro, I was like, I love this guy. All right. Yeah, so read the intro, people. Wow. Are you okay. happier now? I'm yeah, I'm so pleased. Awesome. And I did a video about you and how the kind of friends people should have. We did and you? you yeah. Oh. You didn't see I that? I need to watch it, I guess. I should have tagged you. Figured you'd you know who I was talking about. <laughs> okay. Although I say that to all my friends. All right. So I wanted to talk to you. Someone your assistant texted me today to ask um, what we're doing this podcast about. And so I came up with a topic. So we're gonna talk about what or how you react, how you respond, how you manage your business in the face of changes in the marketplace. When something happens that you can't control, ah. what do you, <laughs> is that a good drink? Sorry, Lane bought me the best juice ever. It was delicious. So what? I'm so listening. how a business how a business reacts when things change? And I think the reason that this came to mind is the one example that happens frequently in our province. The minimum wage went up a lot, and a lot of businesses get quite upset about that and I was talking about someone about someone I was talking about this with someone and regardless of whether or not you support a higher minimum wage I don't think it matters as a business owner I really really see these things as a massive opportunity when all businesses or your whole industry or your whole marketplace is affected the same way like if it's just you having to deal with something that sucks and yeah you can complain about that maybe but when everyone else For is facing the same challenge time, sure you need to find solutions on. yes but when everyone is facing the same challenge this is your opportunity to handle it better than everyone else and emerge on top and I honestly, I, I look forward to these. I'm like, okay, when's the next thing going to be that no one else can figure out because I'm going to, and now you get to be on top. Like, don't hate that this thing happens. Look at this, not just that saying, you know, turn every challenge into an opportunity, but legitimately like look forward to these instances where you can find a way to rise above everyone else because the market still requires whatever your business is. Someone's still going to survive. You got to just make sure it's you. I've never heard you speak so positively. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> I'm blown away. Negative I, I, I appreciate your to... stance on that. That okay. is actually, I think there's two pretty famous references to what you're saying there. Some of the richest people mm-hmm. uh, who got rich with investing okay. made all their money when it was like during depression, right. and during huge crashes and recessions, when everybody was so scared and they were pulling their money out. Those really, 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 really successful wealthy guys were the ones buying up all the penny stocks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, I love that idea of if minimum wage gets jacked up and all the other restaurant owners are saying, 
complaining and saying it's going to put them out of business, you know, rubbing your hands together and thinking, how can I use this? Right. How can I excel in this time instead of getting taken down like everybody else? Yeah. And there's going to be challenges with it. It's not that you can turn it 100% into a positive spin for you. Like it might hurt your margins a bit. It might have a negative impact on your business in the short term. But the market still needs, like you gave the example of restaurants, the market still requires restaurants. You're not going to put eating out you're going to make not going to make it an extinct industry. <laughs> Someone's going to survive. There's going to be businesses that make it through. So what do you do to pivot better than everyone else so that you can thrive? That's how I see those kind of challenges. Well, I'm going to guess by your cute little notebook there that you have some <laughs> ideas how you can how? do that. How? No. So that's, I don't know. So that was my example for when it's like a regulatory type of thing. Okay. So I think other things that could happen are the market changes. Your customers no longer want what you're providing or they don't need it anymore. Something changes. Like I I don't require a blacksmith anymore. (laughs) Things change. Customers no longer need what you're providing. Um, And that's, that requires evolving your business. Like you might have to drastically change your service, your product, your whole business model. And the example that I think to that does this really well is Netflix. Because when Netflix was new i don't like if you remember but you rented dvds through the mail right you went on netflix ordered them online and they shipped you dvds through the mail so it was basically blockbuster through the post so that was how they were originally and then it became okay now we can stream it online and now they're pivoting again and now they're actually they are the production studio now they're not just buying rights to a few shows and cheap movies when netflix first came out their content was awful as movies you never wanted to watch anyways (laughs) now they are becoming the production house that's making the great content so they've pivoted they're on their third business model now and most importantly i think they evolved before the market requires it like their original business model of of renting through mail could have probably lasted years longer than they kept it going for but they evolved before the market demanded them to, to evolve or die they perceived ahead point. of time mm-hmm. one of the things i was going to say is researching looking ahead and looking at trends in your industry like staying ahead not being reactive mm-hmm. be proactive and i think a lot of people are scared to be the ones that go first but with enough research you can make smart you can take smart risks right you know like with netflix like you were saying if they had waited they probably wouldn't be as successful as they are if they weren't the first. Mm-hmm. Do you have more you want to say on that? <laughs> Not on that. I no. feel like we left people hanging with that minimum wage. Work. Okay. You well, want to wh- solve that together? Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Do you have a business or a client that had a minimum wage hike? Yeah. Do you want to use that one? Um, I've, I can think of one I don't, too. Like, probably. I don't know. Like, you you know the operational side of your clients so much better than I would because I just market for them so that I don't get to know how they deal with their staffing and how they deal with those kind of pressures. We just have to make sure they continue to get customers through the door. Mm-hmm. Do you have an example? Maybe I'll try and think of one. Do you have one where that you could use of how someone dealt with that? Because well, that one specifically, everyone here locally in our province has dealt with that very recently. Yeah. Unfortunately for me, I don't work with anybody who pays minimum wage, but I do free sessions sometimes. Um, we do up to five free sessions a week for business owners. And I constantly am recommending that people 
pay higher than a minimum wage before the, the wage increase goes up. And also, I always recommend that nobody ever pay minimum wage ever for any job on anything because just the term <laughs> minimum yeah. wage, like it's just insulting and degrading and it's not very motivating for people, you know? So if minimum wage is $15, like at least pay your people fifteen fifty. Yeah. Um, but when when minimum wage went up, if I had a client who was paying their their staff minimum wage, what I would recommend then, I guess, is we do a new SWOT analysis or we do a new competitive environment analysis and we look around and we say, okay, we know that all of our competitors are also paying minimum wage. So now they have to pay, what was it, like $5 increase? Um, well, we went from 12 to 15 over the course of two years, right? So $3 increase. Mm-hmm. So really, when you think about it. Yeah. Um, but number one, Look around, see what your competitors are doing and see, you know, see if they're doing anything good that we can use. Number two, squeeze, actually number one should be squeeze more good out of your people because most of your staff are not producing anywhere near what they could produce. The number one um, problem with staff who aren't producing is they don't have goals. They don't have clear roles and goals. So I would say minimum wage goes up, you have to pay an extra $4 an hour, $3 an hour, and it's, you know, a regulatory thing. You can't get out of it. Your payroll costs are going to go up by 10% even. Mm-hmm. Huge, a huge jump. Go back to the drawing board and make sure that they have clear job descriptions with clear KPIs. And let's say that your job is to sell advertising and you just don't ever have any goals. You get paid minimum wage. People call. Sometimes you do a good job. Sometimes you don't. But now all of a sudden I give you a goal and I sell you. I need. I tell you, I need you to sell 20 contracts a month. And we know that historically you've sold 15 contracts a month, but we also know that 50 calls come in a month. Mm-hmm. So do you think you can sell 20 contracts a month? Okay, make these goals with your team. That alone, just making clear goals and roles with your team, that would make a lot more revenue and profit from the same people, yeah. even though your payroll went up. Yeah, There's so many things we could talk about here because it's all about leadership, yeah. right? But and I it mean- would, It would change so much by what the business is, what your specific situation is. I mean, we're- developing a new way of serving customers in a different market that we haven't really touched before where we would actually provide a much smaller service at a much lower price than anything we've done but we are spending so much time in systemizing right now and planning and templating and creating so much structure that I could put a brand new employee and plop them down and basically they would know what they need to do to fulfill it that even though it's much lower priced um, and much kind of yeah just it's a lot higher volume that our hourly on it actually is almost the highest of anything that we're charging because of just how systemized we are so i think in our case that was a way that we would be able to do that but again like we don't charge any or we don't have anyone getting paid anywhere near um anywhere as low as minimum wage but i think the overall concept here is that it would it should force a good leader to get even better yeah it should yeah. How can I be a better leader? How can I use this? Because you know what? Now is the time to grab the market share that the other people are willingly giving up by laying people off or going out of business. Yeah. Or or maybe their solution was we're just going to roll it all over to the consumer and put up prices. And maybe that's a piece of it. Maybe there's a piece there where you make up a few cents. There's a piece here. It's yes. all figuring out what yeah. all the puzzle pieces are that make it work again. Yeah. So what about when it's uh, a competitor threat, when someone's, maybe they're doing something better, they're introducing something new. An example is maybe they're just going cheaper than anyone else can. What do you do about that? Or maybe they're going, or online, they're going online. We better stop about that. We better stop. Okay. So number one, if anybody ever, you know, if I ever ask a business owner what their competitive advantage is or their unique selling proposition or any of those types of questions that asks, 
what is different and, and best about you? If they say price, I almost cry um, because that is the worst. Mm-hmm. That's the worst way to go. Walmart wins at price because of their gigantic buying power, and they've built that up over years and years. You cannot win in a price war because you and your competitors are constantly going to be undercutting each other till you go out of business. Yes. You should never try to be the lowest price. So if your competitor lowers their prices, I say add more value to your service or product. But in most cases, unless you're doing like your quarterly or your every six months environmental analysis of your competition, you shouldn't even be looking at what your competitors are doing because it's just a distraction, I think. As long as you've done the math and you know that Let's say in Lethbridge, let's say there's 2,500 businesses and to hit your revenue goals, you need 10% of them. Okay. And there are maybe three decent marketing companies okay. in town. You know you're okay. Right. You yeah. only need 10% of the market and you could easily get a third mm-hmm. and you're the best. So you should be able to get half. But do you know what I mean? Do a little bit of math to make sure that you shouldn't have to be too worried. But in, in other cases, people will send me text messages or emails. They're like, look at this. My competition copied my Facebook contest. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? That sucks, but it's going to keep happening. Because when you do things that are imitable, like yeah. low barrier, yeah. people will copy them. Yeah. That's just how the world works. They see something good. They're like, I want to do that too. That's why we're doing a podcast. You know? like. <laughs> so what about so it, not paying attention to your competition? Like I see a lot of small brick and mortar businesses um, paying attention to what's happening online and feeling like they're losing a lot of their customer base because of that or another local example we just had a brand new beautiful YMCA open and I've seen countless people there that used to be members at other gyms that I used to be a member at and and those gyms I think would not be completely mistaken to look at the competition and be like what did they offer? What have they done? And why have I lost all of these members suddenly? Because I've seen quite recently some some of their competitors then, local gyms, just absolutely dropping prices to the floor right now because they're desperate for members. So, absolutely. So I think there's still a bit of a role to look at your competitors when they are genuinely affecting your customers' buying habits and you're losing customers. And then when, what do we do in that situation? Go back to the math on that one, though. There are like more gyms per capita in Lethbridge than anywhere. There are so many gyms here. Yes. When you buy a gym in Lethbridge or you start a gym in Lethbridge, you better have a real competitive advantage, like a really great differentiator. And I wish I wasn't bound by confidentiality so I could talk about a really great gym, you know? (laughs) Right. But um, I am, so I won't. But if you truly have something that other gyms don't in town, you just ante up on that. Yeah. You just refocus on that. You just make sure people know about that. And look at what my notes say right here know your strengths double down on those hey we're on the same page (laughs) high fives we thought there'd be a lot more controversy on this (laughs) controversy on this podcast but again go back to the math right like in that case yeah people better be a lot more careful because they probably have like two three percent of the market each Mm -hmm. and then the why with the water park and the five family members for a hundred dollars a month and you get to go ride the wave rider and what else crazy town keep in mind though that a large part of the population like me does not have kids and does not want to go hang out at a pool where kids pee right so there are still people like us who you know maybe that's another thing is narrow your ideal target market Mm -hmm. get more specific about who you're talking to don't try to attract everyone or give up on trying to attract the family workout yeah focus on the people who who don't want to go to the new why 
That was I was gonna I brought that as a, a potential uh, quick tip, but it didn't it didn't win for today. But to say that niche businesses are they have the advantage. I had someone come and talk to me. Uh, we sat down for coffee just to talk about business and and where opportunities are and how to I don't know just brainstorm and put our heads together. But she was asking about how to market a niche business and saw it as a big challenge. Like how how do I do this? As I have this big um, challenge ahead of me because my business is so niche and I think it's so much the opposite that when you can niche out your business and know exactly who you need to talk to and exactly who your customers are you have such an advantage because we have a few businesses that are not at all niche like if we sell to pet owners well that's like 70% of people you don't really niche that down <laughs> very much but we do actually within that customer base we split them down into three or four or five different personas and market to them all differently like we intentionally will niche down a broad business so it's just I think that that's especially pertinent to this discussion that if you can figure out who you need to talk to because you know your value what what your value is then you know who who to sell to and who to make your customers and your fans and your ambassadors but most importantly and walmart is a good example is that you don't try to beat your competitors at what they're best at um, and that's what i see with the brick and mortar that are talking about online being such a threat they're like well that's i guess what customers want so then we'll put our stuff online but you're not going to beat amazon mm-hmm. at the online shopping such game a good point. so you need to beat them at where they're weak and where amazon's weak is the human touch about the the telling me what's best for my specific situation that i'm shopping for and and helping me set it up or just all of that human, human touch the actual yeah. shopping experience that they don't have you double Try down on, on that because that's where you can win and that's I had that um, a couple years ago with a small local sporting goods store and I'm like well I want to support the local business like I know I can go buy these new cleats on adidas.com but I'll go support them and the experience was awful like ordering in the custom ones I wanted was just like something I I I just wish that I'd just gone on Amazon and got them and they 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 missed a huge opportunity where they could have gave me such a good shopping experience that online never could have um, and that's where there's a there's a camera store in town that's the exact opposite. I could go buy all my stuff on Amazon um, all day long, but I always buy all my gear from this local store because every time I go in, they know who I am. They ask what I'm up to lately. And, you know, if I, I ask them, you know, you got this new mic that Road just introduced. Like, what have you heard for feedback on this so far? You know, there's just such an amazing shopping experience that I will pay at sometimes 10 or 20% more for products because I go in there and buy it from them because I'll support that. But that's how you beat that competitor threat is knowing where they're weak and where they're strong and not trying to beat them at the thing they're winning at. Let them win at that thing. Find the thing that they're losing at and go win there. Yeah, I really love that. That whole strength finders idea kind of goes back to it. So you're saying if your competitor is beating you by doing something really well, do something else really well. Yeah. And I'm saying if they're focusing on a certain audience, focus on a different audience. Mm -hmm. So imagine if you combine those two things. Yeah. I think the the big overarching thing here that we're going to say over and over again on this podcast, though, is you have to deliver an amazing customer experience and product and service. Like every time. It's not negotiable. It's not, you cannot have a great business without really strong focus on delivering the best product or service and experience. 
Yeah. And we're talking to brick and mortar businesses, right? Yep. So, I mean, that's a really good example of the online businesses. They cannot have that human connection. No. Not that's yet not anyways. There. No, but even There's still, no... I want someone to recognize me when I walk through the door and ask, you know, how that last project went or how I'm enjoying that last thing I bought or that's just not going to happen online. And there, there's still so much of a place uh, for the for the local small shop to fill that online never will. Yeah, there really is. So play that up. Yeah, we had that. I was talking about advertising for a client today and their competitor is killing it on radio this year and everyone is hearing their name because they're on radio. And so the immate reaction and I don't I don't um, fault anyone for this is like I guess we better, get, better on get on radio. radio. But yeah. you don't no. because I look at their competitor and I'm like, "Well, I haven't seen them online, period." Yeah. So I think we should kill it there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There's some industries in this town that are so funny like that. You'll see. Yeah, I think I can say this without identifying the industry <laughs> about the hockey rink. Right. It's like all of them in the one industry are just lined up. Yeah. You know, and they do that. In a, in a lot of industries in town, they'll be like, oh, well, that gym is on that billboard, so I better get on the billboard on the next block, you know? Right. And it's like ridiculous. Yeah. That's the whole blue ocean concept, right? I don't know that. So the blue ocean strategy, it's like this is going to be quite a vulgar... gross brief description but the water is blue where there are no sharks feeding the water is red and bloodied where there's a whole bunch of sharks feeding yeah so if you can find that blue ocean where the other people aren't Mm -hmm. that's the sweet spot it is yeah basically gross very gross summary of yeah no i've heard that once you gave it explanation i know what you were talking about yes the other thing i wanted to say about these things is I usually ask my clients when they get themselves into a tough spot, how could we go back 10 steps and prevent this from happening? Because Hmm. most problems in business aren't one-time problems, right, unfortunately. And so we need to systemize things so that they don't happen again. So in the example that, let's say what, minimum wage went up and caught us off guard? Yeah. I would say let's go back 10 steps and figure out where we messed up in our plan and make sure this never happens to us again. So did we not have strong enough goals? Did we not have monthly coaching meetings with our staff? Are we not visually tracking our goals? Do our staff not feel engaged? Do our staff even have job descriptions? Go through every part of having your staff be better so that you can pay them more so that you're never anywhere near close to minimum wage again. But mostly um, we want to talk about being like out ahead of it. And we do budgeting a lot, like financial planning planning and uh, I always want them to build in flexibility so we can do like a worst case scenario of the budget we can do a best case scenario Um, and also you can even save versions of the spreadsheet like let's say you have a 12-month projection save a copy of it that says you know if this happens right so if this law comes in or if we can't find the staff that we need Mm -hmm. and then you can kind of do the math on the revenue expenses and profit that would result if that situation were to happen. Right. So pre being more proactive and building yeah. in options. I feel like all of this comes down to just not letting you go and letting yourself slip into just maintenance mode and just coasting and just keeping status quo going that you know things are going to change. Nothing sits still. And maybe that's a somewhat new concept. I haven't been in business long enough. For people who've operated businesses in this city for 50 years, I think that there is a difficulty for understanding that because they have been able to do a very similar service or offer a very similar product and market it very much the same way for literally decades. And that might be something that's new in the last 20 years or 10, I mean, absolutely for sure in the last 10 years where there's a lot of change happening really 
quick. All the time. And so you you can't be just in maintenance mode and coasting. There's You need to be constantly looking for what the next move is and how to improve and how to stay ahead. Um, but I mean, anyone who's listening to this podcast is not having that problem where they wouldn't have sought out something to listen to to help them become better. So. And I, I want to expand a little bit on building in flexibility. I mean, like... When you make decisions, maybe to expand to your new market or bring in a new product line or any major decision, a change in your business model, you want to pre-plan it as much as possible. And you also want to go in as flexible as possible. So I'm talking about like low startup costs for these new projects. Um, options, you know, so you can change directions. Every time I have a client wanting to make a big decision, I always say, okay, well, where's the flexibility that you're building in? Because if this doesn't work or if this market changes unexpectedly or if like one example I have is a client who had a really amazing idea for this online business and I said okay what if Amazon finds out about this and they make a competitor site and they put millions of dollars behind it that you don't have mm-hmm. that's a real thing people like <laughs> that could happen sure. you know yeah so you really just have to think ahead um, and the other thing is uh, systemize risk assessment and mitigation so actually have it in your calendar where some people and I would recommend some leaders mix with some people on the ground Go through and say, what's the worst thing that could happen? Right. And what are we going to do if it does happen? Right. So you know? that you're not stuck with your pants down, as yeah. they say. <laughs> you know what you got to do. Could the, What if this key person left? Yes. What if this law changed, etc.? Just yeah. make a plan ahead of time. Also, can I say that people should read the book, Who Moved My Cheese? Okay. Have you, you read that? You can say that, yeah. No, I haven't read it, no. I'll read it, you though. You should read it. Okay. It's really cute. It's about little mice with running shoes. Okay. It's all about embracing change. It's really great. Okay. Yeah. I'll look it up. Hey, what's your quick tip, Kelly My quick tip is to build in flexibility in every area of business planning. So with your marketing plan, with your financial plan, with your leadership plan, you want to be able to make sure that you have thought of risks and mitigate them as much as possible and just build in flexibility so you don't overcommit or overextend um, without doing a ton of research you know like if there's an area that you're sure you've done your research you've got the data to prove it it's going to work okay go all in but if it's something new or there's no data on it or you're not sure on it yet be flexible so that you have options yeah don't put all your eggs in one basket i guess would be the, the saying Okay, my quick tip on this topic, related to this topic, is that you need to first clarify your brand and then make it really, really strong because that's going to help you weather some of these storms um, because a strong brand will carry you through all these changes you need to make. I mean, like a Netflix where you need to pivot how you do business because you already have a brand strength. You can actually change your product, change your service and the brand carries over with it. If people are only married to your service and product with no brand, and then you have to change that, you're starting from scratch. So brand is extremely important, um, that it has loyalty, that people kind of follow you as you make these changes and as you adapt. And I, I kind of break up brand into three things, being your brand purpose, your, your brand positioning, and your brand personality. So you need to figure out brand purpose. This is your why, which I know you're a big proponent of, your why, your mission, your why, why you do things, and then also what you provide. And I don't mean in terms of the service, but what emotion do you allow people to have? What state are you able to transform them to? Like, what is it really? And this is, you know, people talk about it in terms of benefit statements, but what is it that, that you provide? And, and why? What's your mission in business? Your brand positioning is 
who you're targeting and we talked about that figuring out this is who i'm positioned myself to talk to and i've positioned myself to appeal to them specifically because of these things so you need to determine that really clearly how you want to position yourselves um, and then brand personality is usually what most people think of when they think of brand because that's the look and feel and voice and how you sound and all of that so that's kind of the fun stuff that you design and logos and fonts and colors and all that so that's important too but all of those work together to make a really strong brand when you're consistent with it um, that people can develop a relationship with that's going to carry forward when you go through all these changes your quick tip is way better than mine and i think marketing is the most fun part of business isn't it is that why you picked it <laughs> it might be yeah you're lucky but even with any bit every business is a marketing business so even if i had a different business i would just really enjoy marketing that business <laughs> because that's the part that matters most I can think. i add one more quick thing yeah you got to focus on what you can control yes and that's yes. not just in business in everything um, in all these situations we talked about today, in every area of your life, you know, if you focus on what you can't control or what your competitors are doing or what laws are changing and you just complain about it and gripe about it and get together with groups of people and make Facebook pages against it, you're not getting anywhere. <laughs> you that know? got specific. <laughs> or something like that. But yeah, just focus on what you can control because there's huge power there. Yes. All right, so that's the end of another podcast, and you can follow me. If you're a Twitter person, I'm Lane underscore Anderson. If you're on Instagram, I am Lane B. Anderson. Uh, Facebook, we have a London Road Media page where we post uh, tips and things. I am on LinkedIn if you're there, Lane Anderson, and our company is on LinkedIn, London Road Media. So whichever is your favorite, go check us out. So if you want to follow me, Kelly Ray, on LinkedIn, I'm Kelly Ray Tamaki, or on Facebook, or on Instagram. And I think I'm Kelly Ray Tamaki on all those places. And then our company page is on LinkedIn and Facebook as TMH Business Coaching and Consulting. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. Bye.